Okay, welcome everyone to the latest Bolt from the Blue podcast and what is been a very interesting week. It started out off, for me anyway, uh, a bit depressing, but I was uh, very, very much encouraged by the uh, the end of the second game. And we're here to talk uh, mostly about uh, the away game against uh, Southampton, but we'll touch on the, uh, the home game to West Brom earlier in the week. Obviously, that was a 1-1 result and uh, we, we beat Southampton uh, 1-0 at their ground and I've got to, two great lads to talk about these things uh, with me and the first is Colin Savage Press which Blue Colin how are you what have you been doing have you finished your kickback art king of the kickback kickback articles yeah yeah I've got uh, the um, um, got the very magazine king of the kickback 273 which you mm-hmm. can get on Kindle at some point I'm not it wasn't there when last time I checked um, so that's all done and out of the way. Um, finished work for two weeks. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, the only lot on the horizon is the Pittsburgh Steelers form at the moment. So, uh-huh, Yeah. Uh, what is their form at the moment? Uh, it's not good. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, they're playing in about um, three hours, which I'm hoping to stay awake, try and stay awake. Fantastic. I'll be well poised for that. Um, so you mentioned you're um, you're free from work for uh, two weeks. I have just finished my grading and I'm free for the next two months. Oh. So uh, <laughs> but I'd normally be going home at this point. But unfortunately, due to lockdown, that's not going to happen. So I guess I'll be free to devote all my energies uh, to this thing of ours. And so the other person who's here as you would expect, is uh, Ray from City Fan TV. What you been up to, Ray? Well, listen to you guys. are almost falling asleep. Um, you know, it is quite late over here. Uh, hi, guys. Um, what have I been up to? It's all. It's been a lot of football. A lot of football because obviously we had the West Brom game. Uh, women's team uh, played Gothenburg in midweek, and uh, we had the Southampton game. So. You know, around, based around the channel, doing previews and reviews for those games. Just done a couple of shows tonight, uh, looking ahead towards the Arsenal game, which uh, it's Monday evening now, so that's that's tomorrow night. So it's been based mostly around football. Okay, fantastic, guys. Well, I think what we'll start off with is the game uh, closest to us in time, which was the... Uh, the 1-0 uh, victory over Southampton. This was inter- Going into this game, guys, I can tell you, I was not confident at all. And uh, it's an interesting viewing experience we all had. I know Colin watched the game uh, possibly a day later uh, due to scheduling conflict, and I watched it on His Goal, which is my new go-to uh, you know, streaming um, sort of service. Uh, and uh, I think Ray probably watched it, you know... Uh, on on big screen in, in real time. Would that be right, Ray? Um, it was on Prime. So the funny thing about Amazon Prime, some people have problems. Watching it on my laptop, no problem. Great picture. Um, watching it on the on the TV with the fire stick, the picture's not so great, but it's more in real time. So what, it's weird, this thing. You watch it on your laptop or you watch it online and it's there's a delay. There's, you know, it could be up. I think last season you'd get a two minute, up to two minute delay on Amazon Prime. Um, but on your TV, the delay is much, much uh, shorter, but the pitch quality isn't as good. So, you know, it swings around about. So, um, yeah, so I did watch on a big screen. Yes. Okay. Uh, Colin Savage, um, how did you feel going into this game? I mean, Southampton, obviously. One of the <clears throat> one of the best teams in the league, uh, riding high in third position, and obviously it's at their home ground. Even though 
that doesn't mean much uh, these days. But uh, how were you feeling going into the game? Were you slightly optimistic or what? Uh, like you, Mike, I wasn't at all confident um, after the West Brom display, which was a very insipid display. And of course, Southampton, even in previous seasons, they've always given us a hard game down there. Never been, uh, it's never been an easy game. Um, uh, you know, you think back to the um, hundred point game, you know, where we scored with literally the last kick of the match um, mm. to, to win it. But it's always been a tough game down there, and and you know we weren't as good as we have been in previous seasons. They were a lot better. But football's a funny old game, isn't it? Well, it sounds like I was a little bit more optimistic than you guys. Not by much, but for me, I felt because Southampton were riding high in the table, because they were taking it to teams, because they were scoring lots of goals, I thought they would change their tactics a little bit and they'd be a little bit more adventurous, a little bit more open than they have, than they normally are against City. Um, like last season, they beat us uh, 1-0 and uh, they were pretty defensive, especially after they'd scored. But I just felt... You know, they 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 would play, or they would try to play the game a little bit more on the front foot, and that would leave spaces for us to um, to take advantage of. And you know, I think that's kind of how it panned out. Well, guys, let's take a look at the lineups going into the game. We'll start with Southampton first. So we had McCarthy, and then we had um, Kyle Walker's uh, long distant cousin, Kyle Walker Peters, uh, Bednarek, <clears throat> chap I'd never really. Uh, Heard too much of. Vestergaard, he's a bit of a monster, actually. I thought he played pretty well. Ryan Bertrand, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Theo Walcott looking a lot different than the Theo Walcott that we remember. Uh, James Ward-Prowse, who I was interested to learn, is better is a better striker of the ball than David Beckham, according to Twitter. Uh, I'm not going to have that one. Um, then Romeo, Oriol Romeo, used to play for uh, Chelsea. Very, very aggressive um, stroke nasty uh, central midfielder Janepo, uh, uh, Danny Ings who eventually had to go off and uh, Che Adams who people will remember scored a worldie against us um, in the last uh, game or well the two games ago I think against City. Now for us here we go, Aderson uh, Walker, uh, the rejuvenated uh, John Stones, Ruben Diaz the rock uh, Cancelo, who's really beginning to make that left-back spot his own, I think. And then we had uh, the, the the midfield trident that so many people uh, do not like, uh, Gundogan and Rodri. And uh, this time, some interesting um, choices by Pat. Pat Bernardo, Bernardo Silva was the third. And then we had uh, KDB, as usual. Sterling continues to get picked. And uh, this time, uh, uh, Ferran Torres uh, started. So let's uh, ask uh, Colin Savage first. Uh, how did that lineup look to you? Well, um, the, the interesting thing um, is that, well, Bernardo got a start, obviously. Uh, Gabriel Jesus had a problem with his mouth or teeth um, after he got a knock in the West Brom game. So we were back to having uh, a makeshift uh, striker in, in Ferran Torres. Obviously, the, the Rodri Gundogan. Combination, which um, you know, uh, Rodri. Uh, we keep saying Rodri is not Fernandinho. Um, gets a lot of stick from City fans, uh, uh, which I'm not sure is wholly deserved. But but the really interesting thing is, of course, uh, Stones and uh, Ruben Diaz at the back, because when we got Laporte, we all assumed the uh, central defensive partnership would be Stones and Laporte, uh, and then Stones fell out of favour, and we bought Ruben Diaz, and we all thought Diaz and Laporte would carry us forward. But actually, it's Stones and Diaz who appear to be the first choice combination at the moment, uh, and and very well we're doing as well. So uh, I've got to say, it's really great to see John Stones back in contention and playing so well. Oh, although it's it's difficult, isn't it, Ray? Looking at uh, pictures of uh, Laporte on the uh, on the sideline, looking pretty dejected. I don't honestly, I don't care. That's the truth. I don't care. You know, Pep Peppers. One thing about Pep, he said it. Uh, and you, if you saw the uh, Amazon documentary all, all or Nothing and other things Pepper said, he doesn't <laughs> like players who've got a face like a wet fish. Um, you know, he don't he doesn't like a sad face. One of the reasons he's always bigged up Zinchenko, he said he's always happy around. He's uh, you know he's never got a sad face. Um, if he makes a mistake, he's ready to stand up and try and correct it. Uh, you know, and, and give it his best. 
Um, and I think that's why some players fall out of favour, don't get picked. Cancelo last season, he had a bad start at City and he was going around, um, you know, with a, with a sad face and, um, and Pep talked about it. And there was rumours that he might even leave in January. He, he, he sorted his attitude out. He smiles a bit more. And Pep's been saying that and, and he's been starting and he's been playing well. What do you, what do you reckon Ray got Stones' chance? Was it really uh, one bad pass in a game? Who's that, that Stones? That that got La, that got Laporte moved no, I, out. I, no, I don't think so. I think I think it, um, the 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 things that can be said about his attitude, possibly, um, you know, when he was dropped, there, there are rumours that he, uh, he wasn't best pleased and he made it known. Um, that's not going to work with Pep. If you look back, I, I've I've not cri- I've not criticised him, but I've said s- many City fans have a over blown opinion of Laporte uh, saying he's better than Van Dyke or he's second in the world to Van Dyke. and I've said it on this pod he can't even get in the French squad or he struggles to get you know has, has he even played for France yet I think when he was well, called there, up he got injured There, there is a rumour actually um, and there has been rumours that um, he's fallen out of favour with uh, Deschamps uh, at France because Deschamps uh, doesn't like his aloofness and um, yeah. But he Maybe picked him. He picked him for the squad. He, he last yeah. season he picked him for the squad. He got injured, if you remember. He did his uh, did his cruciating. Um So he, he has been picked, but he, he obviously didn't didn't uh, fo- uh, follow through. Uh, the thing is, he's made he makes mistakes, and, and people don't want to. You know, if if you are so biased about your own players, it's like it's like the Mares fanboys. Mares won. Um, City's on uh, Manchester Evening News City's player of the season above KDB which is uh, absurd but that's because he's got fanboys who will just vote for him regardless and if you look through your blue tinted specs all the time and think uh, Laporte is far I I think people do that they think he's far better than he actually is um, look, he's made mistakes. You know, you can, you know, not too many, but he's made big mistakes. Like the, the one, um, the ones that stick in my mind against Spurs in the Champions League. You could say he was weak against Leon, even though the fellow was offside. In my opinion, I still argue that. And he, he makes mistakes. So it's not just one bad pass. Um, and Pep, this this thing you've got. Obviously, we're trying to read between the lines. But Pep said people won't get picked on reputation alone. It's not what you've done in the past. It's what you're doing now in training and what you're doing in the present and what you we think you'll do in the future. And I think if you look around the pitch, who was he talking to? Emeric Laporte. Because he was the guy who um, had the big reputation and wasn't playing. So it was it's, it's basically pointing at him. He's done the same thing with Leroy Sane. Leroy Sane had the hump about it. And Laporte sitting on the sideline. He's got the hump about it. Well, this is exactly what you don't do if you want to get back in favour with Pep. Well, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Just um, I'm not going to go down this uh, particular street for very long, but it's interesting to see uh, Leroy Sané having the same kind of issues at uh, at Bayern that he that that he had with uh, Pep because he actually he actually was subbed on 13 minutes before half time in uh, Bayern's latest game, and then about 25 minutes later he was subbed back off again by. Hansi Flick, um, and uh, uh, in interviews afterwards, he was v- uh, desperately trying to avoid saying what everyone uh, knew, and that was obviously that just, you know, Leroy didn't look interested, and he, had, he, had, he just took him off again uh, in, in one of the shortest um, sub um, appearances in the German league, and that hasn't happened over there in a long, long time, uh, and obviously got everyone's... Um, Got everyone's attention, but uh, Ray um, Colin had his say there on the lineup. Now the interesting things, as he mentioned, were the inclusion of Ferran Torres, uh, Ferran Torres, and, and Bernardo Silva. What do you think about that? Um, I, I don't mind. I mean, Ferran Torres. I've seen uh, some glimpses from him that excite me, uh, especially going forward. He's only still only twenty years old. Um, I think he has got good pace. Um, I think he knows where the goal is when he's got a good pass. Um, I think he uh, thinks more about his, his and uh, to place the ball in the back of the net more than Raheem Sterling. So I don't mind him um, going through the middle. I think sometimes he does he does disappear in games. You know, um, I, I think part of that is because we're not as creative. So you have to work harder to to create for yourself or to get into the right spaces. 
Um, and, I, and I just don't think he's there yet with all that. But he's, I think he's still exciting, something to look forward to. Um, then you've got Bernardo Silva. I'm, you know, I want to see the best of Bernardo Silva. Um, you know, we've been a great team when we've had Bernardo Silva playing fantastically well. Uh, and obviously last season he dropped off for whatever reason. We, we don't know. Um but you know Bernardo Silva playing on the on the top of his game is uh, is is you know what we need uh, and and that competition for places um, I, I said it last season uh, I say it again someone like Sterling doesn't have a competition for his place and um, because he doesn't have competition uh, you know whether consciously or not your uh, sometimes your performances can drop a little bit I read something tonight someone said some of the players who've done the best this season. Or who've improved, done well. People like uh, Kyle Walker, you know, he's got that threat of Cancelo. Um, even John Stones, you know, he's got the threat of Laporte coming back in. Um, so you know, it, it's it's interesting to see who has done well because of the threat from somebody else. So yeah, I, I mean, I can't argue with the lineup. Um, um, I still like to see Fernandinho play, but uh, I think that ship has sailed. I don't think Pep's going to ever go back there. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, Colin, now that you uh, got the chance to to watch that game on on, on repeat, um, obviously Mike Dean uh, refereeing, and uh, somehow I think we uh, we you know every time with that guy, there's going to be something. But anyway, how how did you feel about the way we opened up against uh, Southampton at at their ground? Well, I, I thought the ten the first ten minutes were very open, and I think. The interesting thing about the game was Southampton uh, came to make a game of it. Didn't come to well, they didn't come. Uh, you know, they didn't um, sit back, try to defend. You know, ten men behind the ball, five four one. They actually made a game of it, and I think for the first ten minutes, uh, it was a very even game. But from about ten minutes onwards, we started to uh, really put some pressure on, exert some pressure. So you know, um, and certainly, I think. Uh, it was about the 12th minute. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne had a chance, and that was deflected for a corner. Then uh, f- from the corner, uh, Ilkay Gundogan got a shot at, and that was deflected. So, you know, we started to build a bit of pressure, but Southampton um, you know, always looked uh, dangerous. But, um, you know, in that, particularly in that first 15 minutes, well, in that, sorry, 10 to 15 minutes spell, Joe uh, uh, Cancelo had a great shot, which McCarthy had to be. Um, quite good to save, and then of course, um, Rodri actually um, got a goal from uh, Kevin De Bruyne free kick. But uh, both he and Stones, who were going for the ball, were offside. So um, yeah, we had a. I think I thought uh, Southampton um, almost looked like us in many ways. The way they play, that they press very hard, they press high up the pitch. They're very physical, and I don't mean that in a, a disrespectful sense. They they're actually, um, you know, they will pressure you. So um, we we really had to be on our metal to deal with it. Yeah, Ray, it's, um, are you impressed with uh, Ralph Hasenhutl? I mean, this is the first real look that I got at, you know, got of, got of Southampton. And uh, they're very, um, what would you say, physically robust. Yeah. How did, how did it look to you, Ray? Well, I've got to say I'm impressed with uh, Ralph Hasenhutl. You know, you've got to remember last season, they got pumped at home 9-0 uh, by Leicester City and they were around the bottom, bottom of the table then. And, it, you know, it looked uh, like they'd be demoralised. I remember after that 9-0, if I'm right, they came to play us in the Carabao Cup. I think we I think we beat them 1-0 or something. It wasn't by much. I think they had to play us twice after, um, within a week of that game. I think we prevailed in, in each game. Um so he's he's done well, and you know he especially after the restart. I think they were in the top two or three in terms of the best results after the restart. They were fifteenth at the when football started again last season. I think they finished tenth in the table, uh, something like that. And this season, obviously, they started like a house on fire. Uh, players who you might laugh at are doing well. People like Che Adams, um, Walcott surprises you, uh, and a bit of credit has to go to the Southampton board for sticking by him. I'm thinking we've got the right man. And yes, we've had a, a, a terrible result at home, humiliating result. But, you know, we, we, we believe in him and, and he's, he's done well. And look, he's been, he has, you know, there have been rumours about him and Man United. I don't think they're, you know, they're going to go very far. But, um, you know, he's, he's done pretty well. And um, yeah, I think generally, like Colin said, 
you know, looking at the game, I, I thought that the first 10 minutes, you know, yeah, even Stevens, I, I, I had some issues with Rodri. Um, in my notes say that he was struggling to even hold the ball. He was getting dispossessed far too easily. Um, Sterling had a few moments, but he wasted them poor control. You know, I think playing on the left, far too often he tries to take the ball with his right foot or dribble, you know, or control it with his right foot when it should naturally be your left. And actually, you know, I've seen some goals from him in years gone by, or, or not goals, misses, sorry, where a ball's been flashed across. And instead of taking it with his left foot, he takes it with his right and puts it wide. Um, so, so sometimes I think he's just a little bit uh, over-dependent on that right foot and he needs to uh, learn to use his left. From Southampton, yes, depressed. Uh, once we beat their press, um, and that's something we're good at, is beating a team's high press. If they're pressing with five players and we beat that press, then you know we could break and have um, decent opportunities. Um, th- their biggest threat, I think, was the, da- the big diagonal passes behind Cancelo. They were causing us problems. Um, and I think... The reason for that, and some people will just say, look, it must be Cancelo's fault, you know, that he's um, not focused or, or concentrating uh, and he's having a bad game. But football doesn't always, it's not always so simple. What City had done in, in the past, we played with two DMs, two defensive midfielders, and they're pretty defensive, um, uh, which is one of the reasons we've conceded so few goals of late. But in this game, Ilki Gundogan wasn't playing deep. He was playing a bit further forward. Um, you know, trying to help KDB more. And so we switched our focus from a pure defensive, you know, of four defenders and two defensive midfielders uh, to pushing one of them further forward. So we had fewer men in the defending part of the game, an extra extra body in the attacking um, part of the game. So that changed the way, you know, that opened us up a little bit more, but it also helped us to have a, a better threat uh, against Southampton. So those long diagonals were coming because I think Rodri was being dragged into the middle. He didn't have the support of two DMs. I think if there was a second DM there, that would have taken one of the Southampton players and Rodri, uh, sorry, Cancelo could have gone further wide to whoever was coming through, whether it was Walcott or somebody else. He could have gone across to them earlier and, and stayed closer to them. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things you have to give up something. We had to give up some of our, uh, I'd say, defensive solidity um, to gain something which was a, a better attacking threat. So, you know, Pep's still trying to find that right balance. Um, yeah. And, you know, it worked for us this time. It's definitely absolutely spot on exactly the way that you've analysed that, Ray. That's how I saw it too. Now, just in case there are any listeners who haven't seen the game, that's not to say that Cancelo... Well, he was obviously being targeted by those uh, long diags, but I tell you what, certainly in my opinion, um, he came out of those duels against uh, particularly Walcott really rather well over the, over in general over the course of the game. Uh, obviously, he was being exposed in that way, but uh, that's when I thought, I don't know if uh, uh, Colin agrees, that um, I sort of thought in this game, I think that he's really made that left-back position his own, because I was impressed, Colin, with the way that, uh, with Cancelo's defensive ability. What did you think? I, I'm not I'm not sure he's the best defensively, but um, what, what the job he does for us is he can also play midfield, which Kyle Walker really can't. Um, I think Kyle Walker, despite his occasional, more than, more than occasional lapses, he's the better full-back defensively, um, he's obviously quite quick and, and gets forward, but he's not really effective going forward. Whereas Cancelo can play in midfield. You know, we see him pop up, and one day he's going to score a screamer, of course. Um, so, uh, and, and you know, and we've seen the pattern now we, that um, in certain situations that one of the back four will move into f- midfield. And, and Cancelo does that really, really well. It's kind of it's the role that Zinchenko does when he plays. But Cancelo is a better fullback than, Zinch- than Zinchenko is. Uh, Mendy um, is more of a traditional fullback. He tends to go up and down the wing, um, which is probably when you need Cancelo at right back to do that uh, midfield spot. So, um, yeah, I think Cancelo, I'm still not convinced we've got quite got a solution to the left back issue. I don't feel particularly bothered when uh, Cancelo is on the team sheet in that position. Well, Ray, um, 
a little bit earlier there, um, Colin uh, gave us a nice little picture of what the first 15 minutes looked like. But then on 16, we got the goal. What do you remember about it? Well, I, was, I remember it was a quick break, quick break from City. Uh, Bernardo Silva, um, central right he was. He put KDB through. KDB was through on the right. Uh, and it's that old you know, way of City, City doing it. He's getting behind the fullback. And KDB was behind the fullback. Uh, he put the cross in. Um, and the, the Southampton players, because obviously it was a quick break, they were charging to get back into the box and into the six-yard box. And what KDB did, he just put the ball behind those guys. So these guys, they'd already gone past the ball. You know, they, they couldn't quickly stop and turn and, and go back and chase it. And Raheem Sterling was left unmarked, what was it, 10 or 12 yards out. And all he had to do was hit it on target, which thankfully he did with enough power uh, for the, the ball to go in. And uh, yeah, it was it was, a, it was a good goal, and it's it's a, a situation where I think City did exploit um, as regularly as they could. We had other opportunities like that. I think Kyle Walker was through once in a similar fashion. Um, the ball played inside the fullback, and Walker, you know, there's no stopping Walker. There's no catching him, um, and I think he just put a, a wasted um, cross to just hit it too hard. But it was it was a it was a well taken goal. It was a well constructed goal. Mm-hmm. And, the, uh, the interesting thing for me was that um, in the West Brom game and in this game, the goal came from a cutback, um, whereas previously we've been trying to play the ball kind of through the defence rather than get behind it and play that kind of cutback ball, which has always been lethal for us in the past. Uh, and I was watching watching the goal a few times. The great thing is that Raheem Sterling, as the kind of defence goes towards the ball, Raheem Sterling starts to go, then he stops, and he's he maintains his position. So uh, he's not being marked when the ball comes to him. So that was a, a great bit of play from from him, and of course he took it pretty well. But that's probably one of the last things he did, actually did in that game. Didn't have any time to think about it much, though, Colin. Did well, he? <laughs> probably helped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was uh, it was a, a beautiful uh, cutback, as you say, by uh, KDB and. Uh, you just knew that um, if Raheem didn't have time to think about it, and he did not, it was like it was flashed across there with quite some uh, force. Um, you, you know, we had a, we had a good chance that that would go in, and uh, uh, nice start. Uh, but if you thought that that was going to usher in a period, uh, a refreshed period of City dominance, you you wouldn't have been correct, uh, Ray, because uh, the game was uh, seesawing backwards and forwards. Uh, between um, City and uh, and Southampton, and then there was a period, I uh, gosh, a good ten minutes when they were put us under real pressure. There was a they thought they had a penalty, and uh, and uh, uh, Ederson had to make um, a couple of uh, pretty sharp stops. Um, did you think that it was it was going against us there? Yeah, I mean, as I said, it's those diagonal balls. I mean, there must have been four or five of them. Um, that did cause us problems, uh, and I, in my notes, I, I've written it could have easily could have easily been a penalty, uh, and, and I've, I've continued. Will we wait until they score before looking to solve the problem? Um, and a few minutes later, I think we got lucky. There was a cross. Um, I think uh, Che Adams missed it. He missed a chance to head it. Don't know why he missed it. And then John Stones was behind him, and he headed it behind um, for a corner. So they had three or four, five or six. Uh, you know, situations like that. Um, you know, we were resolute and firm. You need a bit of luck. You always need a little bit of luck. And, you know, against West Brom, we didn't get that luck. It went against us. And I think against uh, Southampton this time, it went for us. Yeah, and uh, I think um, uh, another thing that sort of helped us out, I don't know if you agree, Colin, but um, un- un- we got a bit of luck probably in the way that you don't really want to get it. But... Danny Ings uh, was pretty lively and he was uh, forced off and replaced by uh, some chap called Teller. And uh, he's he was, you know, big, just beginning to become a bit of a nuisance for us. Did you did you see it like I did that we we, we kind of benefit from that? Yeah, I thought Walcott was dangerous. Um, Danny Ings, of course, we know what he can do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we can't deny that that was um, a bit of a help because I think he'd been, he'd been looking a little bit... Um, in trouble a little bit for a few minutes beforehand. So, um, you know, you, I guess when you're going through a, an indifferent patch like we are, you take what you can get, don't you? You don't like to see players injured. And uh, Ings has had a really good season, so um, I hope he's yeah. back soon. But 
yeah, there's no denying it. It was a bit of a relief. Ray, what what do you think about this particular comment? I'm just um, taking a look at uh, the Guardians uh, as it happened, and uh, they concluded that um, Southampton absolutely savage city after they went a goal down. Was it as bad as that in your view? I wouldn't say savage. I think they had opportunities, but I think it, it, you know each side had chances. Um, you know, and, and City had lots of good moments. Um, you know, I, I'm just looking through my notes of the game. You know, uh, I mean, I, I try and you know pick up the big, biggest, bigger points. I've written threat from City. KDB with a good ball to Bernardo, who should have done better. A few minutes later, poor shot from KDB. Um, you know, Saints give the ball away. We took advantage, but I think it was a poor shot from from Kevin. And uh, and the fact that I'm writing a City going to pay for not putting this game to bed to me indicates that. I think we're having chances, uh, but you know you can't take anything from Saints because they were having uh, moments of um, you know periods of dominance uh, for for a few minutes and before we'd um, we'd uh, you know break away again. I mean, they, I think they probably had a good ten minutes where five or ten minutes where you know, we really were. Uh, it looked like Southampton were City. You know, they were passing the ball around. We were running around chasing uh, chasing our tails basically. Uh, but I think you know. Southampton nearly give as good as they got. Uh, they were well in that game. You know, I'm always worried when when you're only winning one 0 and you're missing opportunities, uh, and the other team are are dangerous. And, you know, Walcott was very dangerous. It's, it's a total transformation from his time at Arsenal. It's just weird. Um, I was doing this uh, preview of the game for tomorrow. It's weird that when players leave Arsenal, you know, they do pretty well. You know, Oxley Chamberlain, I think he's won the Champions League. And the league title since he's left Arsenal, you know, people are scoring. Uh, Welbeck is scoring for Brighton, and um, their ex-players are doing well. And, and Walcott is certainly—it uh, looks like a, a man with a new lease of life uh, at Southampton, and he causes a lot of problems. You know, he's still got that pace. Um, and bottom line is, if you're faster than the defender, then you're going to cause him problems. And Walcott did that. But look, you know, w- through a mixture of resolute defending and a bit of luck, uh, you know, obviously we we held out. I thought so. I thought Southampton could claim to be unlucky to be going in at half time a goal down mm-hmm. uh, because I thought after after we scored um, they were probably the better team. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking about Walcott, I don't know if anyone else noticed this. Um, there were a couple of incidents in in the last fifteen minutes of that first half which didn't show him up in a particularly good light. Oh, excuse me. Even though he had a good game, there was one incident where he went down clutching his chest. Yeah. Um, trying to imply he'd been hit by Raheem Sterling, and Sterling had yep. just brushed him, you know, as part of a, you know, trying to he hold got, him off. It wasn't free for that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then right at the end of the half, um, he had a tussle with uh, Cancelo, and again there was another, whether you want to call it simulation or I call it exaggeration of the severity of the um, contact, um, which was a bit annoying. But yeah, he's showing yeah. a bit more heart, isn't he? That's the thing. He's a bit more feisty. He looks more feisty. You know, he looks like he's not going to take anything lying down. And you know, if he steps over the line a little bit, he'll step over the line. But it's yeah. a total transformation from what you know. Arsenal's uh, soft underbelly. Yeah, yeah. Um, guys, moving into the uh, second half. Um, uh, the first thing of of note, I think, anyway is a, well, a great chance for, for us. And I, I'd been keeping my eye on Bernardo Silva, and obviously he played a pivotal role, uh, as we discussed, in, in that first, uh, well, the only goal. But um, I, was just, I was just wondering if we were seeing, the hopefully, the green shoots of, of rebirth in, in the game of Bernardo Silva, because um, De Bruyne um, hurtled down the, down, the, down the left and picked out uh, uh, Bernardo, and he had a great first touch, you know, opened up the goal. But, uh, oh, my gosh, yeah, he just decided to uh, slightly delay. And um, second touch, uh, he totally, like, miskicked that. Do, do you remember that one, uh, Ray? Um, I don't remember that one. I remember the one I, right. I, yeah, I do. I might remember. Yeah, there'd been a, been a great move between Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling. And, um, you know, as you say, he had a great touch. Then he took another touch. Which you know, it looked had to be a goal, and then I, I don't know what happened. His, his head went, and he sort of caught the ball very weakly. And even if he caught it a little bit more firmly, it might have gone in because it flew off his foot completely oh. unexpected angle. But it was just um, 
It was just so poor. I remember it now. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't get a proper shot, did he? It's like it's like yeah. he was falling away. And uh, there's another moment in, in, around the centre circle where he did the same thing. He was. Uh, <laughs> it's like um, it's like me when I used to play. I didn't know what to do, and sometimes you just fall over and and just touch the ball because you 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 know you, your head's full of different thoughts and you end up doing nothing. And it's just like he. You know, like Colin said, it needed a half decent strike, and it would have been, a, it should have been a goal. And he, he just like if, you know, it was falling, falling down and uh, stretching uh, when he didn't need to. It was a, it was a little bit odd. Yeah, and of course, uh, not long after that, um, great chance for Southampton. It was, it was. A, I'm not going to say uh, totally similar, but this time it's Nathan Redmond, and he is just absolutely primed and poised. And and uh, I don't know, did he just fall over it? Um, yeah. Do you remember that one? I don't, remember. I don't know what he was doing there. <laughs> the funny thing is, he's had a good good season, I think, Nathan Redmond. I don't know why he didn't start. He came on a sub. And the first 10 or 15 minutes after he came on, he looked like he had two left feet. He didn't know what he was doing. You know, he made a, two or three you know, glaring errors. And you know, he, he just did an, uh, It's like a mix of an air kick and stubborn your toe at the same time. It was just a weird one. And he just missed a, a chance from about you know, 15 yards. Uh, Colin, one of the most frustrating things in this game for me was there were a number of occasions when uh, we were able to squeeze the ball out to Sterling on the left, and he then began to uh, run at the de- well, so run at the defence, um, and you just knew that nothing was going to happen of it because for some reason he always moves into trouble, moves into bodies um, instead of you know taking advantage of the space and. I don't know about uh, about you guys and, and particularly uh, Colin in, in this case, but uh, I don't know what he seems to be just like uh, attracted to uh, bodies and and trouble like a magnet. It just oh, it happened uh, three or four times in, in my memory, and he's got all of the space in front of him, and uh, you're thinking, you know, you know, prime Leroy Sane, what he would do. And just running into trouble, trying to get on that uh, on that right foot. What did you think? Am I wrong in that perception? No, you're absolutely right, Mike. It's probably the most frustrating thing about him at the moment. Um, that when he gets the ball, you just don't expect anything to happen, which is mm. a shame because we know what he can do. Um, he never quite seems to have the ball under control, which which can't help. Um, he looks so indecisive. Uh, doesn't look to have a plan of what he's going to do. And inevitably, as you say, he ends up either the ball running away from him or running into a player. Now, I've seen a, a kind of a school of thought that maybe this relates to the fact he's playing on the wrong side. Um, you know, and he's got to kind of readjust his feet um, because it's not his natural position. He would rather be on the right. So uh, I don't know. You know, I, I would like to see him on the on the right, you know, we've gone this inverted winger thing, and I think teams have sussed it out, haven't they? A bit, um, you know, they know that we're going to try and go inside. Uh, and United made um, <coughs> played that to perfection because they they um, they could defend so narrow, no, we weren't going to go outside them. And as as we said, I mean that that the goal came from uh, Bernardo and, and then KDB going wide and getting behind the defence. And um, it is very frustrating. I mean, I d- he's not in a great run of form at the moment. And I did think, perhaps being controversial, if you remember his final season at Liverpool, um, where he was very uh, indifferent, um, you, do, you do wonder what maybe is going on there. But, uh, you know, we know what he can do. And it, it, it's very frustrating. Yeah, I think um, I, I think it was summed up pretty well uh, when I think earlier, uh, Colin, you said, you know, he scored the goal for us. Uh, obviously, my point was he didn't have much time to to think about it, but he didn't do very much else after that. Uh, Ray, uh, is he basically, would you say his, um, despite the goal, his his starting um, spot is, is, is in some threat at the moment? Well, no, it's not because Pep keeps picking him. Uh, I, I said it earlier on in this podcast his position is under threat who threatens the left hand side 
honestly, there's only two players that I'm, uh, off the top of my head who will play that left wing, Foden and Sterling. And Sterling will win every time. He's not under competition for his his spot. If he was, he'd either be dropped or he'd up his game. Um, for me, it's, it's, it goes back to last September. He's not contributing enough for the team. Um, far too often, uh, he's too easy to defend against. You know, people will show him uh, the outside and he'll go down on the outside and, uh, you know, run into a cul-de-sac or miscontrol the ball. Um, you know, we've, we've seen Juan Bissaka, who, who had a poor game in the first half against City, have an easy game against Sterling. We saw Harry Maguire usher Sterling out twice towards the end of that game. Uh, so here, lack of control. You know, he's playing on the left and a lot of us want to see him back on the right to give, uh, see what he can do. I think he did that against West Brom and he didn't do much either. But we want to see him back on the right and see what he can do. And, and I've said his stats before. Last season, he scored 20 Premier League goals and that's what people focused on. They didn't, nobody that I, I can see anywhere talked about his one solitary Premier League assist. For me, if you're only if you're only providing one Premier League assist, it, it, it just comes across that you're not as team oriented as you should be. Um, you know, and it could simply be that people are scoring the goals, but I just don't think he's creating them. And if you look, uh, I'll go through his stats for the previous two seasons. That Centurion season, he scored 17, 18 goals, eighteen goals in that Centurion season. He got eleven assists, I think. 29 goal contributions in the Premier League. Fantastic number. The formidable season, I think he scored 17 goals and got 10 assists. Goal and assist contribution, 27. Last season, it was 21. So he's dropped his assists from 11, 10, and down to 1. And because his goals has gone up by a couple, and it starts with a 2, it's 20, people are picking up on that. He had a great season. For me, he didn't. He, he, he didn't. He's, he's got, you've got to remember this City side last season scored 102 goals. We create lots of chances. And I kept saying Sterling is getting in the position to get goals from tappings and sometimes from cutting in and hitting it into the far corner. But his contribution to the team is weak. It's poor for me. He needs competition and he hasn't got it. And until he gets competition... Uh, or Pep grows a pair and drops him and, and says, I'm dropping you because you're not, you're not contributing enough. Uh, then I, I still think we'll see him underperforming. I don't think he's looking to leave. I don't think he's had his head turned or anything. I just don't think he's got enough competition. And sometimes it's also, um, and I'm not saying this is the case either. I'm just trying to think of reasons. You know, he's recently got a bumper new contract he's got loads of sponsorship deals you know uh, everywhere he's um his relationship with the press seems to have changed and with the public that's changed you know he's gone from basically uh, the press had him as public enemy number one in football to somebody who's a lot more loved by more people you know he used to get booed for england and now people think he's an integral part of of, of england's chances to win anything so you know i don't know if that's got something to do with it you know it's, we don't know it's, you were just trying to put our finger on something and say could this be the reason but there's something not right there he's 26 years old now for me his numbers should be in the 30s. He should be getting at least 30 goal contributions a season. That's where his numbers should be. You know, something like Kevin De Bruyne. And I think last season he had 31, yeah, 20 assists and 11 goals. That's where those are the sort of numbers Raheem Sterling should have um, if he wants to be one of the best players in the world. Well, uh, <clears throat> Colin, I, I wonder, I wonder if you've got um, a couple of things in in your notes that 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 I have in mind. Obviously, there was um, there was a great sort of twenty yard strike by Gundogan that was arrowing there towards the top corner. Great save by uh, McCarthy because that was going in. But the, the, there was something else, and uh, you know, just left me completely scratching my head. It's I don't know if if anyone remembers it. It was, it was fairly innocuous, I suppose. But yeah, a ball uh, from the the wing played into pretty much the the centre spot to Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, coming at him um, at, at some pace, so he he just basically uh, lets the ball come across him and gets clattered. Um, I, I can't remember the Southampton player that did it, and and Mike Dean books De Bruyne. Do you remember that one? Yes, yeah, I've got a note of that. It was um, 
it was in the first half, I think, wasn't it? Twenty uh, fifth right. minute. It was Ryan Bertrand came in from behind him. So yeah. Kate, uh, Kevin De Bruyne was on the ball. Ryan Bertrand came in behind him and um, and clattered him. Uh, and, and Bertrand fell. I came through him and fell over. Uh, and I saw Mike Dean give a foul and go to his pocket. And I assumed he was booking Bertrand, but yeah. he, he booked Kevin De Bruyne, which was bizarre. Uh, and I think there was another weird incident like that. And I can't remember. Uh, I'm just trying to remember what it was, checking my notes, because you reminded me. Uh, maybe it was the Walcott one, I'm not sure. But there was another very strange uh, refereeing decision. I mean, Mike, Mike Dean's not a guy I have a problem with usually. I think he's quite reliable, he's quite sensible. Um, but that, that, that was a very strange one, I, yeah. I saw it slightly differently. Um, I, I, I saw it as um, accidental from KDB. What He didn't know yeah. Bertrand was coming. Uh, I think that's the first thing. And I think he wanted to control it and swivel and uh, uh, put it down, uh, out wide for probably for Mares or whoever was out wide at the time. Uh, it might not be Mares, It might have been uh, Bernardo or, or, or Walker or whoever. And so he had his, uh, I'm trying to remember now, I think he had his first slight touch and then Bertram was on him. And I don't. I just don't think KDB saw him. For me, I think that was too accidental to give you know, uh, 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 as a yellow card. I mean, it was it was just like coming together. Um, you know, and I don't I don't think every foul or misjudgment has to be a yellow card. Um, you know, I don't think it was a you know it certainly wasn't deliberate. It wasn't a total accident because he didn't see the guy coming behind him. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it, it certainly wasn't a yellow card. And I, but I don't think um, you can blame Bertram for that because he, he just came on the blind side. No, I'm not blaming Bertrand at all. It's just Mike Dean. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne didn't know much about that at all. But um, <clears throat> we're talking about cards. And, and one person who did get a card, and this was quite interesting, was Edison for time-wasting. Uh, what did you make of that, guys? I hate that. I hate it when a referee does that towards the end of a game, especially at, uh, uh, in, in Manchester at the Etihad Stadium. We see goalkeepers time-wasting from the first minute, taking as long as they can over... Uh, free kicks, uh, over goal kicks, or anything they can, and the referees do do and say nothing to them. And you, know, you can hear the fans whistling and whistling. I, I'd love to know how long Edison was on that free kick. Uh, or, um, you know, how long did he actually waste? Because I don't think he wasted that much. No, no, he didn't um, so I'd love to. I'd love to, to see some stats. That, you know, it's one of these where you get so many stats in the game. I'd love to see that stat. How long? You know, um, and, and ha- do, does a referee book somebody in the first half for wasting as much time or more than someone does at the end of the game? And it's what it, it's very similar to that. Uh, someone makes a, a yellow card foul in the first first or second minute, and the referee sometimes lets them off and says it's too early in the game. No, it's not. A yellow card foul is a yellow card foul whether it's in the first minute or the ninetieth minute. And, it's, and time wasting is the same whether it's in the first minute or the ninetieth. So treat them equally; they're the same. And you know, there's there's none of this you know building in you know bedding into the game or anything like that. If if the guy has a give them a specific, it shouldn't be based upon feelings. You know, it should be something like if the guy's wasted fifteen seconds, book him, warn them, and do it. But don't you know do it arbitrarily. So. You know, for Edison, he's wasted 12 seconds and it's in the 80, 85th minute. I'm going to book you. The, their goalkeeper could have wasted 20 seconds in the fifth minute and didn't get a booking. So it, it's just, uh, it just, it's not fair. Guys, I want, there was one sort of um, kind of a, a Keystone Cops moment that I think <laughs> just really, really kind of encapsulates uh, City's attacking uh, this season. It was right at the death and... Uh, De Bruyne gets free down the right and passes to Sterling. Sterling is in a prime position to shoot. He Instead of shooting, he plays in Bernardo, who is again in prime position to shoot. But instead, he tees up Mares, who blazes it over, blazes it over, a, you know, an open goal. And that was just so, um, so typical. Um, that's, that's, that's something that frustrated me. Guys, any other things that we want to say about that second half that we haven't mentioned so far? No, I thought we were comfortable in that second half. We should have increased our lead. Um, the, you know, there was another. Uh, there were a few chances that Bernardo wanted. Uh, the, the one that Bernardo tried to pass to Mahrez when he was in a much better position. Um, 
there were one or two others, but I thought we were reasonably comfortable in that second half compared to the first. Uh, the, the interesting thing was that um, I'm talking about shots and chances, and people are saying we're wasting a lot of chances. I saw a stat watched, um, I can't know what I watched actually, I saw something that might have been match of the day or match of the day two that suggests that actually we, we scored, what, 19 goals this season? And, and actually, that's our expected goals, 19 goals, which would suggest that actually we're not wasting chances. Now, now whether that 19 expected goals takes into account our um, history of wastefulness, I don't know. But um, mm. the stats suggest actually we're not, you know, we're not being particularly wasteful, if that's the I case. But I think when we look at it, we think we are. I think and we I think that, that, that Sorry, that... that you know, the two Bernardo chances in the second half were, to me, they were goals. Expected but goals. he didn't shoot. So I think the issue for me is we're creating opportunities. That Bernardo one where, um, uh, you know, he, he only had the goalkeeper to beat, he didn't actually shoot. So there's no expected, I, I, I am assuming there's no expected goal because he didn't have a shot. You know, and, but where we would look at it and you say, I think that, you know, if he had a shot there, it's about, a, a, you know, at least a, one third chance of him scoring, but he passed the ball instead, and Maras blazed it over. And the other one, he didn't have a proper shot. So you, you know, I, I'm, the expected goals, I think, is su- subjective as well, and give it a percentage um, or a decimal decimalization of how much of a chance, you know, it should have, whether that should have been a goal or not. Um, so if if you're in a great opportunity and you don't actually shoot. How can you have anything expected? But we would, we I expected at least a decent shot at goal, and he didn't even do that. So it's a, it's a funny one. They're only getting nineteen goals this season as well. It's, it's, it is disappointing. Maybe, maybe it's just it was just my uh, perception, but um, obviously to see the game out, we had a few instances of um, ball juggling down in the in the uh, the, the the corner flag area. Uh, but I guess. Um, it was because of who it was against. You know, it, it, it was against Southampton. Um, they were they've they've been really really strong this season. We saw why, but uh, we <clears throat> we saw it out when we got the three points, and that was a, a, a really really satisfying. And I, I guess the most sort of relevant um, stat that uh, people have been holding on to um, and seeking seeing a lot of encouragement in is that. Now I think we're level on on Tottenham. We've conceded the fewest goals, twelve goals, and uh, kept more clean sheets in the Premier League than anyone else. So that you know, the, just the common refrain from every commentator uh, last season was all about our um, defensive weakness. I mean, it was really predictable when you watched, uh, listen to any commentary of City games. Um, the, the, you know, there were two sure things that you would hear. One was, you know, how much money we'd spent ever since 2008 and, and, and obviously our defensive frailty. But um, I think we've solved that, guys. Um, don't want to speak too soon or anything, but, you know, Walker, Cancelo, Diaz uh, and either Stones or Laporte. I mean, that's a pretty solid look. And Nathan Ake as well. That's a pretty uh, a solid uh team of a pretty cool um, and uh, rugged uh, defensive performers. I'm not that worried um, so much. Obviously, it'd be nicer to have, um, you know, Prime Mendy uh, on the left for the attacking um, threat that he offers. But, yeah, it's just um, it's just that, that problem up front. And um, I don't know what the solution to that is, but um, that was that. We, uh, we finished the game. We got the points. Job done. And uh, momentarily, anyway, we were we were up the league. But I tell you what, guys, there were some interesting uh, things happening in the league. If we uh, if we uh, take a look back just before this game, Liverpool had won seven nil, and then of course uh, United went on to beat West Ham six two. It's been Leeds. some really interesting. So, sorry, Leeds. Leeds. Sorry, Leeds six two. Some fascinating uh, results, uh, Colin. Um, <clears throat> Looking at the table now, it's 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 weird, isn't it? Um, so Liverpool are displaced at the top um, by Tottenham. Leicester now up there as well. Am I looking at the right table? Liverpool are top. Leicester second. Yeah, Liverpool, Leicester. Yeah. United. Liverpool, Leicester. United in third. Yeah. What do you reckon? What do you reckon about some of those scores, guys? 
well, I mean, we're saying we've been saying this all along, isn't it? It's a topsy turvy season, and it really is a season where, um, to use the old cliche, anyone can be anyone else. You know, we've seen Liverpool score seven and concede seven. Um, when when would you expect to see that in a in a normal season? Uh, you know, and, and again, we said the same thing, haven't we? That um, no one's going to be getting 100 points this season. I'm just trying to work it out, actually. Certainly not all. You can only get to 98. Uh, Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So, Liverpool, but we're looking at low 80s, I think, maybe to win the league. Yeah. See, on, on, on form. it used to be that Man City fans would look, you know, for when we could get to 40 points and uh, be safe in the league. The way I look at it now is, you know, when do we drop below 100 points? That's what I keep tabs on. Uh, it's it's weird. We've only played thirteen games this season, and I think pretty much if we win it, the remainder of our games, we we won't do as well as we did in the two seasons we we won the league uh, recently. Which is which is after thirteen games, you think, wow, we've already dropped as many points in thirteen games uh, as we did in the formidable season, and we've dropped more points already in thirteen games than we did in the uh, centurion season, and that's it's a frightening stat. And, and it also shows how great we were in those two seasons. It's interesting, isn't it, guys? Because it's so tightly... Obviously, Liverpool have got a four-point cushion. But um, it's so tightly packed that uh, Tottenham, who, like the blink of an eye ago, were top of the league, are now in, in sixth. So you've got um, Leicester on 27, United, Everton, 26, Chelsea, Spurs, 25, um, Southampton, 24, City... 23 Villa and West Ham, um, but that's really compressed, isn't it? Uh, <clears throat> I'm just noticing I'm just looking that... at last season and yeah. the difference between the top six was 21 points. Mm. Liverpool were already on 40 points, we had 29. Uh, uh, Leicester also were on 29. Mm-hmm. Chelsea were just behind us on 26, fell away to Spurs and, and Wolves, 20 and 19 between them. Sheffield United were up there with um, 18 points. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so compressed. I mean, we we win our game in hand and uh, that top seven is seven points. Yeah. Uh, what do you reckon, Ray, about the, the rise of Manchester United? Well, for all we made fun of them, they had a terrible, shocking start for the season, 10 points after six games. And they've gone on a fantastic run of five wins and a draw. And that's shot them up the table to third. They win their game in hand. They're two points behind Liverpool, which is amazing. And, you know, all, all we've been laughing at Oli for so long. And suddenly they're starting to pull out results. Uh, they're starting to score goals. You know, they score, they're up to 28 goals now. Um, they, they smashed Leeds 6-2. And it, it doesn't seem that long ago since they lost at home to Spurs 6-1. But... You know, that topsy-turvy season, as, as Colin says. But look, you, you can't take anything away from them. They are a dangerous animal. Um, and you give them, you know, space and time and they can hurt you. They, they have got good players. And you would expect if you spent, you know, half a billion pounds in the last three or four seasons and people like Pogba and, uh, you know, and you've got people like uh, Rashford coming through and whatever, um, by people like Fernandes, you, you, you should expect, um, you know, to be able to do reasonably well. So you, they've got quality players. They've just not been able to knit it together for a long period of time. Maybe, you know, um, this is their season to challenge again. Do you reckon Arsenal are going to get relegated, guys? It's <laughs> a possibility, isn't it, at the moment? I mean, you look at where they are and um, they're That's only, single. you know, they're, they're on 14 points and Fulham, who were in 18th, are on 10. Yeah, and Burnley, who won tonight, um, they you know they got a game in hand over Arsenal, one point behind. Think about Arsenal. You know, you look at the, what they did last season. You look at that last season of, for Arsenal. You know, when especially in the cups, they did really well, and and a few in the beat some big teams. You know, they, if I'm right, they beat Sheffield United, they beat City, and Sheffield United were riding high. They beat City in the semi final and Chelsea in the final. And, and towards the end of the season, I think they did they beat Leicester and Liverpool. They beat all the top teams and United as well, I think, except for uh, Spurs. And then they went to the Community Shield, beat Liverpool again. Uh, uh, and in the first four games of the league season, I think they won three. And in the league since then, they've got five points from 10 games. 
So they've fallen off a cliff. But in the Cups, they still beat Liverpool away from home in the Carabao Cup. And they still beat Leicester away from home in the Carabao Cup. And they've done quite well in Europe. So it feels like they're a Cup team. Uh, but five points in 10 games, that's, <clears> that's relegation form. Well, that's who we're up against next. And um, I'm just reading, it's not exactly breaking news, but Obama Young is ruled out of that game. Um, so obviously that's, um, that's a, a, a big blow for them. Um, but as you mentioned, yeah, they're, they're, they're one of those teams who perform a lot differently in cup competitions than obviously that they're doing in the league. Um, well, they mix it up, Mike. They mix it up. They, they put a few younger players in who... You know, yeah. who aren't just there picking up the money right now. Arsenal have gone through this phase where they're paying people silly money and they're not delivering. Last six months with Alexis Sanchez was a waste of time for Arsenal. Olsen's on £350,000 a week and he's not even in the squad. He's not even in the, 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 the squad that's given to the Premier League. So he can't play until at least January and I, I, he won't play. So you're, they're paying him £350,000 a week to sit at home and do nothing. Aubameyang... Since he got his latest contract, which was, a, I think, another £350,000 a week. He's down tools, hasn't he? <laughs> but he's not doing anything. So, actually, yeah. it, it's it's actually good for them that he's not available tomorrow. Uh, and then they've got William, who's coming on £200,000 a week from Chelsea. And he's doing nothing um, as well. And, you know, at Chelsea, I think overall he played pretty well uh, most games, except when I picked him for my fantasy football team, then he just had shockers. <laughs> but... They, they have this habit of getting players in who don't want to play, you know, and are on big money at the end of their contracts. And they're not doing anything for them. Uh, but they've done this for many years. Uh, rele- relegation is, is uh, you, you always say they're too big to go down. Uh, but they've lost, um, as I said, and look at the last five games, they've lost four and drawn one. That's the same um, form as Sheffield United, even someone like West Brom, at least they've won a game in the last five. Same as Fulham, you know, Fulham have only lost one game in their last five. Um, you know, it's, yeah, it's, and Arsenal in trouble. It's funny, guys. Um, watching a uh, formerly formerly Arsenal fan TV or AFTV now, and you're getting the 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 first sort of calls for um, for Arteta to to go. And well, you've been having um, that for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah, but one of the funniest lines that I that I heard is is your man troops, you know, blood, troops, blood, and um, he said uh, Arteta is just a he's just a bloke what puts out cones for Pep. That's who we've got, a bloke who puts out cones for Pep. Um, would you have him back, uh, Colin, if he um, finds himself um, out of work? Would you have him back at City? I I think we were better with him. I think he had a better relationship with the players. Um... If he wanted to come back, I think I'd have him. Um, but uh, we can't have him back till he's finished the job and relegated them. So, <laughs> <laughs> Agent Mikel, as I call him. Okay, okay. So, guys, we've come. We've been on for an hour. We've come to that point where, where uh, at the end of the meeting, we say AOB. Any other business chaps? Anything caught your eye? Anything yeah. you want to talk about? We're not. We're not going to do the West Brom game. But I'll just say crap. Crap. Yeah, crap. yeah, that, that's slow, you know, boring, rubbish. One or two sentences. And, that was so mind-numbing. <laughs> and and, and my, my only point is, you know, about how poor that, how bad that game was. West West Brom's kit was awful. Yellow and um, red um, stripes. Horrible kit. And the only thing worse <laughs> than their kit was Mendy's hair. And that's it. <laughs> Talk about that. Mendy's game. hair. I, so I don't know whether he's sparring with um, with. Uh, Raheem Sterling to have the world's worst haircut, but maybe that's because we are not young and cool, guys. Um, <laughs> Street um, <laughs> Speak for myself. No, some, yeah. Mike, some of us haven't got any hair, so uh, that's um, true. You can't really mess that one up, can you? Uh, <laughs> any other business, Colin Savage? Um, yeah, no, I think it's been um, uh, relatively quiet, but of course, um, everyone's waiting on this messy interview that. So he's going out just after Christmas. But, oh, uh, I didn't I thought, even read about that. What's going on there? So, so Messi's given an interview, uh, which has been embargoed till after Christmas. I think it comes oh, out why? on the 27th, so that's six days away. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it's been leaked, and it, it, it sounds very anodyne, to be honest, from the little mm. I've heard. So it doesn't look like he's going to drop a bombshell on Barcelona, I suspect. He's going to wait until the um, presidential elections in January and see... How the land lies. Yeah, how do you think the land is lying, Ray, on that score? Ah, 
well, he, all I saw from that so far is that he said, um, and he's very diplomatic. People are saying, oh, is he, from what he said, is he going to stay? Because he, he said, um, you know, the what happened in the summer affected his form at the start of the season. But now he's ready to fight on all fronts and blah, blah, blah. But you've got to say that. You, you know, can you imagine? Can you imagine if he comes out and says, yeah, what happened in the summer uh, has really affected my form? And I couldn't give two hoots about Barcelona anymore, and I'm going to play crap for the rest of the season. You know, he'd be he'd be slaughtered. So diplomatically, he said he's going to fight and, and do his best and everything else. So, uh, what can you read into that? I, I, I still don't think much has changed. You know, he's still not happy. He's still not happy being there, you, especially at the start of the season. You should have seen his face. Um, you know, and he was just turning around when you know uh, when people missed chances, or he's just he just seemed disinterested. Uh, walking around the pitch, um, obviously there's talk of PSG being into in for him. You know, uh, would he? I mean, uh, it's something worth thinking about. You know, there's talk that he really enjoyed playing with Neymar. You know, and if PSG had Neymar and Bappe and, and Messi, would Messi take to that? Would he say, "Wow, you know, that's a great opportunity for the last couple of seasons. Maybe together we can do something." I don't know. So, you know, every time, you know, you, you've got so much in your heart hoping that Messi's going to come to City. You, you, all, you are always worried that he, he might not do it and, and he'll break your heart. Uh, but I, you know, even at 34, 35 years old, I'd take Messi all day long. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, I think that's uh, just, just about as much as uh, our listeners could probably uh, take of us uh, for this particular pod. So I think we'll just uh, bring it uh, to an end here and thank our guys for coming on. Colin Savage, Prestwich Blue, thank you so much for coming on. It's okay. And can I wish all our listeners um, a happy holiday period, whatever they celebrate. And, um, well, hopefully we'll see you before the new year. No doubt, no doubt. And thank you very, very much, uh, Ray, for all of your valuable insights. Oh, thank you so much, guys. Always a pleasure to be on. And as Colin says, happy holidays, everybody. Indeed, indeed, guys. Well, uh, you'll be hearing from us shortly. And I hope that doesn't sound like that we're signing off for a a long period of time. But uh, we'll be back with you uh, very, very shortly. And uh, enjoy the pod. And um, let's finish off in the normal way, guys. We, we hope that you have a uh, one on us, a festive one on us, and up the blues, up those blues. <laughs>